0: Who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance? Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show.
1: It's Oh, profitable! Oh, we can do the lifting at this place, at my place, where oh, I train perfect. today. Um, nice. Yeah. So when we do the testing, we can go in there.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that would be really quite key having a very good place to do the testing and get.
1: It will. It will just be it. me and you, mate. Perfect. Yeah. Um, That's going to be a long day. Yeah, a long old day, isn't it,
0: mate? Isn't it? I mean, we might as well start with talking about that day. Yeah, we could do. Let's do it. Like, think about it. Okay. For all the viewers here, let's recap the challenge that we're going to do. This season's all about concurrent training. So the ability of programming so that you can improve strength and endurance at the same time. And we've decided to increase strength. Our strength targets are a little bit different. But at the same time, train for a four-hour marathon. Now, if we can do that on the... Ideally, we want to do it on the same day. I know we were umming and in how we were going to do it. We didn't know if we were going to do the Portsmouth Marathon. Uh, but the Portsmouth Marathon has now been cancelled because of COVID. So I think... I mean, we knew we were going to do it anyway. So let's let's organise that day. So if we're doing all the strength stuff at your place... Yeah. ...in the morning, and then I reckon... I, I think you
1: probably need about six hours
0: rest, recovery. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what time should we say for that. I would say we could start off, depends if you want to finish in the dark, right? Because it's going to be dark by time. Yeah. Oh, well, it always seems to be logistical issues that change. That change. I don't care. I'm happy to run in the dark like that. Um,
0: oh, I'm good. No, that's fine with me. There's, there's no point... Um, we we'll out of it just because we're getting a bit
1: cold. A bit what tough. if we was, yeah, if we used to say we'd start lifting at nine mm. and give just give us two hours for that. About that, I'd say. Yeah, uh, so we're looking like four or five-ish for kicking off mm. marathon. Yeah, I'd say about that. You'd like to think
0: that, I mean, the main thing we've got to take into consideration is that, yes, we're lifting maximal in the morning, so there's a large neurological component to that. We will yeah. be neurologically fatigued and we want to make sure that we are at some respect recovered so that it doesn't affect too much the marathon pace. <clears throat> that would be, yeah.
1: the, would be the aim. Yeah, completely. I think, so in that six hours for me, well, I, w- I would try and just reduce as much stress as possible mm. and uh, obviously and eat ready for four hours of running
0: mm. certainly i mean if we think about some of the recommendations they, they they provide to try and reduce the interference effect, most of them seem to be about like if you've done a endurance component in the morning make sure that you're really repeating or you no know, Trying to get in as much carbohydrates to replenish your glycogen stores because that can actually have an effect on uh, sort of the molecular pathways that lead to uh, muscle signaling and uh, developing uh, protein synthesis. And then vice versa, they say the same thing when it comes to if you did a resistance training session in the morning, try and make sure you replenish um the, your protein intake to make sure that doesn't affect any muscle um, molecular signaling either. So like I mean yes rest and recovery in those six hours is key but definitely what we eat is very key to make sure we're completely replenished um, and make sure we're not in a deficit in any form before we attempt the marathon
1: no yeah I just try and aim to be in a surplus really that's that's where I'm my that's what I'm going to try and focus on definitely try and be in a surplus of some sort I think I think it's definitely I think you can get away with kind of lifting and not being too full on food because it is maximal and it it doesn't really going for me I'm only lifting once like it's a bit different for you you've got four lifts but
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I think for moving for 4 hours flat it's going to be it's going to need a lot more energy um, than just
0: my one lift. Certainly. I mean, there's different components, isn't it? Like the energy required are completely different, uh, the completely different ends of the spectrum. Um, So how you're recovered, either from an energy substrate position or from a neurological position, uh, just as equally as important. You just like to think one is being used more in one thing than the other. So you just need to make sure that you're completely replenished for both Depending on what you got next,
1: yeah. Are you going to do any double days? Well, so that's I just that
0: is a. I wanted to discuss that if we go through our um, training programs and then discuss that as like a, a final part because I think that's a real key thing. Yeah. It's, do we need practice with strength training in the morning and then long running in the afternoon? Or have we got such a short amount of time leading up to it mm-hmm. that we best to just focus on things individual and then have that uh, end challenge as like, right, you've just got to go for it. Is the is the fatigue effect from the heavy lifting in the morning going to be really severe that is going to greatly affect our ability to to run at so that run. particular pace, the 5.42 pace? I think it's, yeah. I think it's a real tricky one. Yeah, yeah, very. Um, And I don't think there's a clear answer between the two. Because I think you can look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's what you've got to do on the day. So surely you've got to do lots of that because you need to neurologically prepare your body for that type of stress. And I'm thinking, well, at the same time, if you want to make sure that you improve in both components, you need to make sure that you're you're fresh. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm quite not as good a runner as you, I need to make sure that I am fresh for every single run, long run that I do because that is one of the hot sessions of the week. I need to really focus on that area because that is one of my main weaknesses and what's going to affect me completing this challenge. Um, So if I do lots of like double sessions where I might have some kind of fatigue carryover that's affecting it, then I might have a load of rubbish long running sessions and then all of a sudden, whatever happens on the marathon day, I'm not fully prepared.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I think... We could kind of as I say destroying us but we can we can kind of get away with being super fatigued once it's done mm. whereas if if potentially it's going to cause some real fatigue that's going to hinder the next week's training yeah it that's not in, in my eyes it's not going to be beneficial for either of us mm. um,
0: If we had like to so be practicing points. that, if we had three or four months preparing for it, I think that could be an option that we go down. But when you've got ten weeks plus a taper, like <laughs> you've got to be really selective of what you do. So it might appear the right way, but because of the time limit that we've got, it's actually might be the wrong strategy.
1: Yeah, de- yeah, completely. Yeah, we've got no. It's like a, uh, I say a pre-competition phase, wouldn't it? That would be us testing that to some some sort but mm. we haven't got enough time to then have a little deload and then go back into accumulation and, and, and so on and so on but uh, yeah we've got to be super selective and that and I have every every time someone says oh come come and have a session with me like I'm just like no I can't I've mm. I'm literally I've got to get this right and <laughs> so it's um
0: yeah uh... Before the podcast, we were talking about, we think the most important thing that's involved with programming here is the ability to manage freshness and fatigue during the week. Because if we think about the interference effect and um, how training for endurance might interfere, protein synthesis, or your ability to gain strength or muscular hypertrophy, the key things are okay, high intensity endurance well, we're not doing too much high-intensity endurance work because um, we're training for a marathon, so it's, the pace is a lot lower. Okay, cool. Uh, and then a lot of the time, is, you know, it's all about where the sessions are placed. So if you're training for endurance in the morning, try and make sure that there's over three hours, preferably more, before you do any resistance training. And because of work and logistical reasons, we're kind of training one day a week anyway. So then it's not really the interference effects, but it's also making sure that when we do train, we're training appropriately, but also we're not structuring the week that it starts to make certain sessions bad because we haven't recovered. Like all the key sessions, we need to make sure we have a good amount of freshness so we tackle them with the right amount of intent. Otherwise, they just won't be as effective. And when you're only training, what, six, seven times a week, within 10 weeks leading up to a particular challenge which I don't know on paper might sound a bit easy but I really don't think it is um that means you know the key thing is like how are we structuring our week how are we how much work are we doing in those sessions because we want to make sure that we're doing the minimal amount of work that's going to have the most amount of effect anything surplus like those additional sessions that you're getting called out for is going to just make you knackered and affect your
1: ability to be fresh for the sessions that do matter yeah yeah completely another thing i i'm also is like the the psychology behind it of for me is going into the gym and having to lift heavy and then a day or so later preparing to move super slow for a long period of time it's really Mm. it's really um that's quite challenging. I'm that really quite challenging because I don't know if it's um, the CrossFit background. It's like everything's fast and hard. Mm. I, I get that sometimes there's paces that need to be required, but it was still generally small time period you were working for. So you could, you would still be pushing relatively hard, whereas this is totally different mm. and to be able to hold yourself back. So, and then psych yourself up for a very technical lift that I'm trying to do is, it's quite hard it's yeah. quite
0: um tough. well let's let's talk about the strength side of things because your strength challenge is different to mine yours is to get 120 kg snatch yeah which will be a all-time pb so yeah. training for that on it on its own is a challenge and yeah. you decided to do it alongside training for a four-hour marathon
1: <laughs> yes yes um yeah, so you, do you want me to do? You want me to go into a little bit of how I've structured my strength on this? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think
0: you've got the more difficult challenge because the snatch is more technical and it also requires you to move weight much more quickly. So it requires like a greater contribution of more fast twitch fibres. And if you're doing really like heavy strength stuff, it's slow, probably more slow twitch. If you're doing marathon training, more slow twitch. Like they, they despite coming at two ends of the spectrum, that may be more similar than you think. Whereas with the snatch, it's a little different. Um, yeah. So uh, be able to move quickly and technically. So yeah. Yeah. T- tell me how over the next 10 weeks you're thinking of. You're so, well,
1: <sighs> I'm, a- I'm actually keeping the volume of it really low. Um. So I'm training, I'm training my, the snatch twice a week. And I've a- I've added an additional session where I'll, I'll do some cleaning work because very similar characteristics in lifting wise so it it will just help but i don't want to overdo just doing the snatch constantly um so i'm doing a lot of power work at the moment um just to just to be able to increase that speed again and also for because i've come out of a massive block of endurance just to like get myself familiar with that again Mm. because of just doing that ultra and loads of running and being lockdown could get to the gym so I wasn't lifting anyway really um so I'm only doing three strength sessions a week or three lifting sessions a week um and my two snap sessions come both after rest days so I'm at the freshest I can be Mm. so I do I have one snap session on a Monday and I have one on a Thursday so I, I rest Sunday and Wednesday currently at the moment on Wednesday, I may do a cycle, depending on that's weather dependent at the moment because it's pretty rough. Um, but that's very that's very easy, and I'm not. And there's still plenty of time between that. There's at least 24 hours before I'm lifting again, so I'm having a good bit of rest between that. But um, yeah, so I'm doing a lot of power stuff and getting used to having the weight over my head again so the overhead squatting so on my monday session is generally power snatching with some overhead squats um, and then I'll do some accessory work generally my accessory work isn't really aimed to support my snatching it's to, more to support my running to prevent the injury going for those long distances this this is this is why this is why I'm putting it in so I'll do some single leg stuff um, on the Monday, it's all single leg work. That be will be some single leg squatting and some single leg hinging like RDLing, um, and I'll follow that up with some core work um, at the same time, just anti rotation work, anti flexion extension. Mm. Mainly because I find myself. I was thinking back to the day that we tested, and after we tested, I actually went out for a long run. Mm. And I felt myself, I felt like I was running an extension the whole time because I'd just been doing maximal lifting in the morning. And then on those Olympic lifts, you are are forcing a lot of extension. You you bolt upright. And any explosive movement, I find that you will be in that that extension pattern. And if you try and run for a long distance in that, your lower back's just going to blow up. You're not really. You're not really. And also, I find breathing really hard because my your rib cage is all elevated. It just so I'm trying to put in some core in that to reduce at the end, just to bring me back out of that position. Mm. Um, so I might put some dead bugs in there, some rollouts with the with the ab wheel, um, and also with the the hamstring work and the hinging, pulling me back out of that posterior pelvic tilt. Mm. That you generally put yourself in when you're going into snatching. Um, so that that would be at the moment. That's how Monday's going to look for uh, for the first five weeks. i probably or four weeks at least. Um, from week five and six, I'm going to start building up to a heavy single to start with, um, just to see how it feels. Um, I may I may only do that for like a week or so. That's this is my plan at the moment. I may only do it for a week or so to see how it feels I'm really playing my programming by ear mm-hmm. so I've got this template but it may change off of the fly because this is this is all new and and how how numbers show and the data I get from running and the feel the feeling I get will be will depend on how I how I adjust it but I will be doing something because it's such a short period of time it may be build it's fine 15 to 20 minutes to will find a heavy single at Power Snatch and then I would, I would then do five sets of two, at eighty percent plus of that single, something like that. Um, is where I'm going. I'm keeping the reps like low as well, low rep range. I, I'm not training for CrossFit, so I don't need to do multiple reps of that at the moment. It's just <clears throat> on the day I need to perform one rep, so I'm keeping the reps under three, three or under,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for any snatching work that I'm doing. But I also go through a very strong snatch warm up, which also is quite high volume, just with an empty bar. Prior to that, and some, and even before that, I do some some jumping, uh, more explosive stuff, box jumps, broad jumps, just to get me nice and fast and fired up. Mm. Um, so then Tuesday will be a run. We'll, we'll go into the running in a bit, shall we? Yeah. Um, Wednesday, rest or ride. Thursday, again, we go on to snatching. I still start this session with some powers, um, just as more like... I'll say a primer, but just... just to get me moving fast. The weight is still pretty heavy in comparison to what I'm squat snatching. It's very close to it, but it just gets me moving fast. Um and then I'll move into some squat snatching work. So full snatching, squat snatches is a CrossFit term. Sorry, a snatch. Um, and yeah, again, reps have, reps have been low, so I've been doing like five sets of two for the last two weeks. And this week, so today, um, I, I it was a, it was a lot of sets. I did six sets, um, two sets of three, and then four sets of two. But over the over the weeks, I've been building the load very very small mm. so I think the first week I was i got it up here the first week I was around, I was 80, 80 kilos so I was snatching for two um, and I just kept it consistent there the second week I, I said to myself right I'll start at 80 and I'll build and see where I, and build very slight and I'll build, build up to 90 and then this week so I've started at 90 because I did a few sets at 90 when I from the last week mm. Um, and then yeah so this week was start at 90 and build build slightly from there and worked up to a 97 and a half for doubles which was which is kind of it's, it's the most volume of snatching I've done in a long time that's, that's why I keep this day post rest day so this, this day is, um, always comes after rest day then I'll add in some squats only front squats um, I'm not I don't, when it comes to the overhead position and being bolt upright in the snatch um, the, that's the reason why I'm putting front squats in and not back is it just translated, translates over a, a lot um, a lot better and I'm still keeping the load light on that but it's more positional work for me um, so I'm currently at the moment it's four sets of three with a two second pause at the bottom and it's been consistent the last two weeks at hundred kilos. Um,
0: is, is that because it's more focused on positioning and consistency? Uh, that's one of the exercises where you kind of like the load that you're using remains quite stable throughout. And that yeah. allows you to then push on other more important exercises. So it's like the role of the squat is different from like the role of the snatch in terms of load. So that means you keep the roll, uh, the load on the the front squatting consistent, and that ultimately helps you increase the load in the snatch.
1: Yes, time. yeah, completely. And I'm guessing, well, I know over time because of the snatch weight is going to increase. When it comes to that front squat, it's gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna actually start to, because of fatigue for the session the RPE of that is not really going to change. Hopefully, I'm going to get stronger. So it's going to... That RPE is going to re- remain the same relatively.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I won't I won't need... So because of that, I won't need to force that load up because my goal is not to increase my front squat. That's just an aid to help me lift heavier in the snatches. Um, and then I, I'll go into some, some hinging after that. So I'll do some... RDLs this time with a barbell, fairly heavy, but for for a good good amount of reps. So I'm looking like 10 to 15, but only three sets worth. Um, I'm using toes elevated at the moment just to try and force a bit of pronation of my feet because when it comes to, um, well, and a bit of internal rotation of of my femurs, because when it with my snatching and front squats, is you're going that deep into the squat that I'm forcing a bit of external rotation and off of of my femurs and and my toe, my feet are out a little bit, and I just want to kind of bring it back, just to kind of balance everything out. Hmm. And also, when it comes to my running, I don't want to be running on the edge of my foot. I want so to be duck
0: cool, like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I want to be running in a nice, efficient gait. So, um, yeah, and I also find it smokes my hamstring big time, toes elevated. Um, it really can really help me, um, engage them and get them working. Mm. Uh, and then, and then again, little bit of accessory work, single leg squat generally followed by some core work. Um, again, that will be either some anti-extension work or anti-rotation. And then that—that's those. So Monday and Thursday are my main two strength sessions, snatching. Um, uh, and I know they, they will build. Like I said, from week five and six, I'm looking at going to singles and then dropping back, using a percentage of that. At the moment, I'm just adding loads that I know I can hit and just being a bit consistent on that.
0: Mm. So it's, it's almost like these first four weeks are your practice weeks uh, and you're choosing loads that um, you're choosing loads that you know you can hit but it allows you if it's still heavy enough to try and gain some sort of kind of strength adaptation but it's still light enough so you're consistent and it's allowing you to practice and get under the bar a little bit more
1: yeah compl- yeah so it's a very fine line with that and and it's only because I know myself mm. um, from years of doing it that I can I know the loads that when I walk up to the bar, I'm going to hit it. It's going to be quite challenging, especially with everything else going on, but I know I can make that load. Um, and yeah, so is it, and also it's a big practice element, getting back doing Olympic lifting after a big period of not doing it. Um, it's so kind of like re-familiarising myself with the lifts. Um, especially the snatch um, that's why I have a big chunk of my warm up is a lot of empty bar going through different portions of the snatch so I can it's also a bit of technique before um, just drilling movement. and then on a Friday it's kind of a little bit of an added extra strength session. Um, I try and avoid as much leg stuff as possible um, so I keep the volume very low so I do some clean straight away. Um, it was only cleans to begin with. Now I've pushed it to the jerk as well. Um, jerk Fridays. Yeah, I don't, there's no reason for that. I'm just, I'm just adding the jerk on. Um, I, I enjoy Olympic lifting, and so I'm gonna, I'm putting the jerk in because I, I fancy putting the jerk in as well. Mm. Um, it, it's still, it's still very similar characteristics, having to produce power fast. Or move loads fast, so it's having it's, it's still it's still having some input to the training, uh, and I'll, that's like two reps, and I'm that's like seven sets, seven sets of two, um, good period of rest. I've been in there, so I'm having like ninety seconds to two minutes rest on that. Then I'll go straight into some clean pulls. So I've been at the moment. I've been uh, adding about thirty, no, about fifty kilos onto what I've been cleaning and doing a couple of sets of pulls just mm-hmm. from the floor, but trying to produce as much power from the floor as I can. Hit an extension. Um, reps are very low, so I'm doing three sets of four on that, uh, but trying to move it really fast. Um, so it's given me some stimulus of, of the load because it's, it's, it's heavy, like 150 kilos at the moment is what I've been using. Um, but also trying to be explosive whilst doing it. So trying to move that load fast. Um, if I could, if I was to go heavy, I don't think I'd, I could go heavier, but I wouldn't be able to move it fast enough to get, to get what I want from it. Mm. It would just turn into a slow, clean deadlift with a little teeny shrug and that's not that's like yeah so I'm mm. I'm really cautious on that that and I don't want it to be like I do one go down takes me time it's like it's four very quick reps like it's, it's over within 10 to 12 seconds mm. that's 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 the, the aim for that uh, and then after that I'm doing a bit of um, upper body so some kind of pushing pulling and um, Again, followed by some core to really, this is when it's most important for me to get me out of that extension because the following day I'll have a really long run. So
0: it's essentially corrective exercise preparing you for the the training the day after.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I will need some, I will require some upper body strength to hold the load overhead. Um, So I need to have that in there although I'm doing the lifts that were going to get me stronger, you, you, I still need to do some separate lifting exercises to aid to be able to hold that load overhead so I can get strong doing that lift, you know? Mm. So yeah. I'm either doing a horizontal or vertical press. Um, and I've been adding some pull-ups in Um some weighted pull ups. So that's what that's like my pulling at the moment. Um I really feel I can get get a good lap from that for me. Like I really feel that compared to like a single arm row or a bent over arc, I could get more I feel it more if I'm doing some um pulling work. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Sunday I'll go into um a long run. That Friday won't change that will stay very similar throughout the whole mm. I'm not going to be building to singles on the clean, I don't, that's not my my aim, it's just I'm doing the clean for because it's got the same characteristics and I don't want to over overload snatching and potentially cause injury, injury there.
0: And that, and that makes sense because I've seen people programme before where they choose a number of exercises and they try and progress them all at the same time. So like yeah. all the exercises that they progressed all reach a peak and then either they plateau or they, they peak a little bit early and then they've got nowhere to go because they try to do everything at once. So you have very selective, like what well, helps because you've got a particular challenge, which focusing on one lift. But uh, it, yeah, I think some people might look at that third session and go, okay, there's your, explosive exercise that lift of the session why aren't you progressing it like you are the others it's like well the role of that lift in that uh, in that program on that session is is not to do that it has different purpose and it's ultimately yeah completely
1: yes Yeah. yeah friday is completely a supplementary day really um it's just added extras and the reason Look, people might look at that and be like, "You're only doing three, but you want to hit a 120 snatch." Um, my training age is is very high, mm. so this is this is the reason. Like, if if maybe it was a beginner, first person coming in, they're not going to aim for a 120 snatch for one, but if they want to add some weight, they can get away with, and they will they will adapt to some higher volume and a lot more work, much easier than someone like me or yourself that have been doing it for years, we have to be very particular in not doing just junk for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, Minimal dose. Yeah. Just like just enough effective work. That's quality to, to get us to where we want to be really. And I'm, that's why I'm monitoring it so closely over the weeks Especially from week five when I start do it like building to a daily single work, that's when I'll really know well, what needs to change here. And then it gives me another four weeks to
0: Readapt and to, yeah. Reprogram in a new direction that you know is correct.
1: Yeah, You've completely that
0: direction to come about.
1: Yeah, I, I might not even need to, mm-hmm. but I, I'm I'm aware it could happen and, and I'll I'll be ready for when it does. Yeah course Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want me to go onto runs? So do you want me to go onto that, or do you want to go through your strength work? Or shall
0: I shall I do the uh, strength stuff first? Because then we c- it might provide a little bit of comparison. Yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. Mate. Despite yeah, from the fact that we are doing several different lifts. Um, so, yeah. Just a recap from my challenge, the strength side. Uh, I've got to improve four lifts uh, in about ten percent increase increase the lift by 10 percent. i'd say yeah Uh, so my lifts are the front squat the deadlift conventional deadlift the strict push press with the barbell overhead and the weighted pull-up so as you can imagine i need to have some kind of practice all four of those lifts so my weight training days are four i've got four weight training days um as I'm going through this, I'm always like, oh, I wish I had a bit more time to add this in, a bit more practice. But I think adding extra uh, work in, like we kind of just discussed, would actually be negative. Like I'm getting the bare minimum here. Uh, and I think it's the bare minimum that's going to provide me with the necessary stimulus to try and adapt and get stronger. So how my sessions are structured. It moves around a little bit because of because of work, but they typically are on a Monday, Tuesday and then on a Thursday and Friday, uh, with it normally goes lower body, upper body, run, lower body, upper body, run. And then around that, I've got another like very small recovery run. So I'm doing my upper body work the day before a run just to give myself a little bit more time to recover for the run. Um, my sessions individually are structured in a certain way that I feel I don't need to change them at all. So it's like I do this, then I do this, then I do this, and then I do this, and that's pretty much it. So they're kind of structured for the first part with what I call MOTs, where it's just your basic warm-up exercises to get uh, improved range of motion slash good um, excitability of the muscles through those ranges of motion. Um, but I call them kind of, they're kind of like pre-habby type exercises, the exercises I feel are necessary to make sure that my body's primed leading up to the particular lift that I'm going to be doing. So that, that MOT will be more focused around the hip and the lower limb before the front squat and deadlift. Uh, and then I have like a shoulder one, which I do before my, uh, uh, ones for the pull up and ones for the, the overhead press and the exercises within them change about, but it's kind of like I choose Uh, exercises i feel like that are necessary areas that i'm struggling in but i tend to choose three and they are they tend to be exercises which stimulate movement in all three planes so you might have one that's a bit more sagittal based so looking from the side that's where you can see the movement more frontal plane based so if you look at me from the front that's where the movement you'll see and more transverse a bit more rotational so i'm trying to just gain and use motion through all three planes then I go into another section, which is more focused around developing what I feel are specific qualities for running. So I might be looking at sort of low intensity plyometric abilities. So I might incorporate some form of uh, pogos or wall drives, um, or I might try and develop the qualities of the sort of ankle complex. So I've done quite a few uh, calf raises with a high eccentric component to it um, other exercises are clue in this specificity component are isometrics so i like utilizing isometric not necessarily okay let's put a load of weight on this bar uh, and you've got to hold it in a position it's more body weight positions just holding certain positions that i know i need to be either good at or they are an exaggerated position of running so that I'm trying to stimulate activation in sort of end range motion, which I think are really, really quite important. So, for example, I might have like quite a long split squat, and I'm uh, doing a calf raise with my front foot, and I'm holding that for 30 to 40 seconds. Um, so, those are the type of exercises I'd have in my sort of running specific uh, component of the session. Uh, then I move into the main lift, so that will be. Front squat, um, deadlift, push press, or overhead press, and and a, and a weighted pull-up. And I'm doing sets of five with them. But the idea behind them is that I don't actually change. The only way that the volume changes is how the, the reps go down as the weight goes up. So for my first two weeks, I did five sets of eight. Se- uh, the next two weeks, five sets of five then five sets of three for two weeks, five sets of two for two weeks and five sets of one for two weeks. And then I'll use that last week as a bit of a taper. So the idea behind that is that my volume is going down while my intensity goes up and it's it's very linear. Uh, and I, I think in that short, I mean, 10 weeks is still a short amount of time. I should be able to uh, auto-regulate the load so that my progression is quite linear as well. So for example, when I've gone from five sets of eight to five sets of five, the weights have gone up, but I'm not necessarily pushing maximally uh, for that five sets of five. I might leave you know, one or two reps in the bank for each set, maybe an RPE of seven to eight. So the idea behind that is that when I do five sets of fives next week, I can then increase the intensity a little bit. So it's like, okay, new, new set and rep structure, let's increase the rate, but not go all out. Let's push the next week when we do the same thing. And then the week after that, we're actually increasing the weight because we're changing the sets and rep structure again. So it's kind of like a staggered type of approach, but I think that is important so that I'm improving linearly. I'm not trying to like push too quickly. So that's kind of how I'm structuring that over the eight weeks. And really, That's the only thing that's changing over the eight weeks, everything else kind of stays the same because it's similar to your uh, clean and jerk inclusion that those exercises are playing a role to improve the main lifts Um, after the main lift of that session. I would be doing a, some form of dynamic version. So with this exercise, I, I, I try and do a derivative of the main exercise but one where i can challenge it in a different way usually because um i can i reduce the load so i can move it more quickly so it's a bit like a kind of like a uh, west side barbell you know where they've got their heavy day and dynamic dynamic day or uh, like a french contrast where you're doing something heavy followed by something more explosive um yeah. the idea behind that you know, my neuromuscular system is more excited after the strength work that I've just done. So I'm then reducing the load and trying to move things more quickly. Um, so the exercises that I'm choosing are, I don't know, I like could jump squat maybe, or a weighted vest jump squat. Um, for the deadlifts, I tend to do around 40 to 50% do speed deadlifts because I want more time practicing being in a deadlift position. Um, The only thing I think is a little bit different is the upper body stuff because um, with the weighted pull-ups, I just take the the load off and then I do more pull-ups, but try and be a bit more explosive and a bit more focused on the technique um, rather than just grinding it up. You're not really because the weight's low, but you kind of get what I mean. And then with the the strict press with the barbell, uh, I'm trying to then do push jerks. So i mean you you can use more load and i have been doing so with all the other exercises they're lighter so you can move more quickly with the overhead press i'm actually increasing the load but changing the exercise to a push jerk derivative and from that i think it's because i'm using my lower limbs to then be able to punch my arm overhead that's the where the the speed of movement's coming from and I also think being a bit more familiar with heavy load in that locked position overhead would hopefully transfer quite well to to the overall pushing strength overhead as well so those are my um that's kind of how i'm planning that was so that ends up being the main part of the session you've got the main lift and then you've got some form of dynamic derivative and then after that uh, i've got one main assistance exercise which typically ends up being some form of single leg exercise or single arm exercise And then I, so I call that the main assistance. And then I've got the supplementary assistance where it's around 10 to 15 minutes doing some extra work with uh, supplementary exercises, which I think are going to uh, improve the main lift. So um, like for the upper body, it's, it's general uh, upper, upper limb exercises that we'd probably use to gain hypertrophy. That's that type of thing. So that is, that is my, that's my weight training program. Like it's really, 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 really quite basic. Um, It has specific areas of each session, which focus on a a particular, uh, play a particular role. But the only thing that's really changing over the 10 weeks is the main lift. And that's because as the weight goes up, the volume goes down. And the only thing, the only way the volume goes down is because the number of reps per set go down. And that really is the only thing that's changing. No need to make huge changes really
1: no yeah it's very very similar to mine I'm not really making massive changes I've got a structure there the only thing that may change is like the over time will be the single leg exercises and the core exercises Mm. Um, maybe bits in my warm up if I need to Um, Mm. depending on how how running feels I may have some more running specific plyos like you you were doing um I tend to do the, like the pogos on my fast run day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, but um yeah. yeah yeah. I've got some like running specific drills that I do
0: as part of a warm-up, but I guess I've not really included them in my weight training session. No nothing to say that you couldn't, if you know what I mean. No, no, no.
1: Definitely definitely not if it's got you've got time and you've got the day, the the rest. You have will you'll, you'll have the rest between because you said you're doing that on the the lower day,
0: right on the. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Anything that I feel is a bit more challenging regarding running specific exercises, I'll put it on the same day as the lower limbs. One, because it might help uh, extend the warm up a little bit for the main lift. Uh, and two, I've also got another day to try and recover the lower limb before I run. Yeah, so yeah. Definitely. That's, yeah, that's quite key. And so far, work has allowed me to. <laughs> Not change the week too much. A lot yeah, of my decisions
1: are based on work, and available. I think that's a huge, that's a massive um, consideration. I think when it comes to programming, anyone mm. is their life.
0: Mm. Um. Programming is all about dealing with stress and adapting to stress. Yeah, work is stressful, uh, but people seem to forget about it.
1: Uh, they completely do like they yeah a lot of um, people are like yeah that's my release sometimes it could be too much Mm. yeah even if it is your release sometimes it's like might
0: not be the best thing to do at that particular time give it another 6 to 12 hours then it's fine but at that point it might be the worst thing You might just add to the stress which
1: leads to problems yeah completely Mm. um should we go on to, do you want to go on to the running or are you happy with that? Sure you can.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I quite like, sure. yeah, I like comparing the two, like even though we're not. Yeah, yeah, the it's good. Comparisons, But when you describe yours and I'm describing some of the rationales behind mine,
1: you start to see real similar
0: rationales.
1: Oh, t- yeah, completely. Um, and it's all, the main reason is fatigue management, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and stress, the stress management, like we were just saying. Yeah. So I'm only running twice a week at the moment, um, and pretend I add a cycling as as maybe a third, like aerobic base session. Um, so I, on a, a Tuesday, I will do it's, it's a lot faster this run, uh, more intervals based, um, and I'm kind of I've kind of been progressing them in volume, but over the over the complete session, my actual average pace is not much faster than what we're going to be running the marathon at. So over the accumulation of the session, but it's just with with bursts of speed in it. So I, made, I started off doing, like, K efforts. At, I've been working on pace, not heart rate. I've been following um, a guy called Jack Daniels and his running formula, and he uses something I think, cool. <laughs> I think he gets it all the time. So <laughs> um, he's got a good book. I, mean, I keep meaning to lend it to you, The Running Formula. Um, so I've been... When you were doing your 5K test, I actually tested mine, and I've used that as... And then he put, you know, he's he got a calculator that you can work off to work off a threshold pace, an easy pace, a marathon pace it's a little bit out because there's no way I'm running a marathon at the pace that he says because of my 5k. Yeah. But that's purely because of the distance and not being used to that. But um, So I've been using those that pace for that. Um, and it always starts with a 2k warm-up and a 2k cool-down at a very easy pace. That's just to add the volume into the legs because we're going for a marathon. Um, but this is definitely my shorter run-out of both of them. Um, and I'll rarely go over 16k in total on that um, but that is added with, with rest periods that are like walking so some of it is walking but accumulating distance on the legs usually keeping it under 16 but it's a lot faster um, and then my second run is on the weekend and that is just long and slow and I'm talking uh, the reason I've put it after two of the strength days is to it will force me to go slow because there will be a bit of fatigue in there um but even then i struggle to like keep it steady just because i feel good what not kind of, because
0: you say it's slow what kind of paces are you hitting
1: because um
0: it's, what's the it's 542
1: uh, minutes per kilometer 542 yeah so i'm i'm around at like five minutes to 520. Per okay on that. And now I've gone up to 20K at the moment. So each week I'm adding a little bit more. Just in, in distance, that's it. That's the only thing I'm doing on that run. Just slowly building up the pace. But as we get closer, what I... depend on how feelings goes, like kind of turn it into like a, a brick running session, but over a two days. So I'll do a long run on the on the Saturday and then on the Sunday morning, I'll then do another run, but shorter. Mm. so there's a little so there is that fatigue but it's just clocking up that distance for the instead of going out and trying to do 30k in a one hour like it just breaks up a little bit and I'm still getting that time on the legs Mm. because I find after doing the ultra and stuff for me it's not so much about the time I'm actually moving um so just building up that time of, of running, um, hence why on the interval day I do the two k run, two uh, k warm up, two k cool down um, at a very slow pace, just building up that time I'm actually moving.
0: Mm.
1: But potentially doesn't cause any. At the moment, hasn't caused me any negative adaptation. So. Um, but there, that at the moment, that's how it's going to stay for at least the next two weeks, just two runs. If I feel good, I may add a third on the, on the Sunday. Mm. So I'm, I'm doing back-to-back days of running. But then that could affect my lifting on the Monday. So it's a lot of uh, yeah f- feelings and adjustments that may, may be needed down the line, but that's how it is at the moment. Mm. Yeah.
0: No, interesting. Because I think... Endurance is going to be the one where we differ the most, or our approach may be more different. We're both quite experienced in some in, in form of weight training, but uh, you have a lot more experience at long distance running, like you've just done an ultra uh, only a few weeks ago. Uh, I've never run longer than a half marathon, so all of a sudden, like I'm in a completely different box. Uh, and long distance seems to be the thing that my body just tends to not like. Uh, I don't know if that's because of my uh, four knee surgeries but there's definitely a, a lack of ability to sort of bounce along for long periods of time um so mine's mine's the same as yours as in it's two to three days mainly three but like you you've got you were thinking of maybe adding that extra a day on a sunday just to give a bit more time on feet yeah so i've kind of got that in already just to give me a bit more time on feet uh, and the main reason behind that is that when I sort of really sat down, thought about where am I going to, where? if I fail this, where's, what? what's the reason? How am I going to fail it? And it's my ability to maintain a pace for several hours because I've never really done it. Uh, I can do intervals. I like intervals. I've got, you know, I grew up playing rugby. Fast stop, fast stop. That's what I like doing. Uh, and I've just come off the um, eight weeks trying to improve my 5K time. So that's when I got all my interval work in. But I thought, I really can't really continue with that because with interval work at a pace I'd like to go at, uh, that increases the amount of forces you you take when every time you make a step, uh, which I feel like my body, when it's trying to train for a marathon and try and get stronger in the squat and deadlift at the same time, can't afford like if i start doing that as well that's an increased amount of stress uh, which could lead to a potential injury uh, which i'm not willing to to risk i just thought well, okay intervals for me are, are gone i've done my interval work that was i'm a, i'm assuming that the training for the 5k the eight weeks before this new challenge started was my interval speed work block leading to this one so if i need to get better at time on feet essentially and at that particular pace that's what i'm going to do my my sessions are all geared around those paces so i've got race pace which is five minutes 42 minute kilometers or anything above not really going above 520 Um, and then i've got easy which is typically around six uh, but certainly under the race pace and i'm kind of doing tempo runs at the moment so i've got a medium day which is typically a wednesday and what i mean by medium day is length in comparison to the other sessions and then i've got my long day which is usually a saturday where i that's where i'm just trying to each week like you go add a little bit more add a little bit more and as i add a little bit more that means i'm challenging myself to maintain that race pace for just that little bit longer so it might feel that i'm running very slow but it's because i'm deliberately wanting to get my body very accustomed to the exact race pace, which I know I have to maintain for four hours straight. So if I spend more time at that, it's a low intensity, yeah, but I'm hoping that my body gets so familiar with it, it becomes more efficient with each stride. If I'm more efficient, my heart rate will go down. Because even maintaining a 5.30, 5.40, my heart rate's in the one forty five between one fifty, which to me feels... Feels like, it's quite high still. Like it should be in the sort of like mid thirties, more thirties. Um, I've, I've, I've seen other good runners and they're able to maintain those faster speeds at lower heart rates. And it's like, okay, that's the adaptation I want to try and achieve. So I'm just need to spend more time at that, uh, at that race pace. So I've got like similar to your two K, which is very easy. I probably do two or three K very easy. Then I've got like a stretch, a tempo of race pace. Then I might ease up a bit. Then I go again, depending on how long the session is. So I am just, yeah, overall, I'm adding volume as I go along. But by adding volume, I'm I'm just trying to get my body adapted and very comfortable in the racing conditions that I'm going to be doing. And I feel I can expose myself to that race condition a little bit more because it's technically quite low intensity. Uh, if I'm using my Garmin data, my lactate threshold pace is around 4 minutes 51. So I'm way below it. So, you know, if we're thinking about polarized training, where you're doing your easy stuff and your high intensity stuff, your high intensity stuff is above 4 minute 51 for me. Well, I'm far away from that. So I'm doing my low intensity stuff. Uh, and I think it's the low intensity, low intensity running endurance work, which is not going to set off that uh, uh, molecular signaling pathway that comes from endurance training. So, hopefully, that will then not affect all my strength work. The only thing that could affect my strength work from the running is the, is the neuromuscular fatigue from being on my feet for over two hours, you know? So, yeah, I'm hoping if you progress very slowly with that. I'll adapt and I shouldn't have huge spikes of fatigue, which then affect my next training, et cetera, et cetera. So fingers crossed that works out. Yes. <laughs> That's the one I'm most nervous. The endurance for me is what I'm most nervous about, which I think is the opposite to you. You're most nervous about the snatch because you've never snatched 120 before, but you've run good marathon times. You've done ultras. Whereas I think I've got the ability to lift more and certainly many of the lifts that I've got I've never never run more than a half marathon and I'm going for a four hour marathon which seems a bit ridiculous but you know might as well go for it like we'll be honest (laughs) if we make it or not and we can discuss if it was the the challenge was too big for me or not we'll be honest with that but you know that's the whole part of this podcast is really being critical and making decisions on what we know to make the programme but the programme might we might just need more time to achieve the goal that we've set whatever the programme.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think we'd both get through the marathon, mate.
0: I'm confident I'm completing it. Yeah. But it's completing it within four hours is what. Uh, we yeah. got to out there and plan our route now. I know. We can't slow down for parked cars or passing cars.
1: Nah. Well, we could just run the ports of marathon route if you want Yeah. We probably should
0: oh, wow. do a long run together to see what the uh, coastal wind is like during that
1: yeah. run. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely. Because you avoid all roads pretty much. There is no, there's no, there's nowhere you need to cross traffic. So, which mm. is quite nice. Nice. All
0: right. If we um, slowly wrap up, what, what would you say are the key things of your program? for this challenge so that if anyone thinks of doing their own concurrent training challenge, what would your recommendations be for them? Well, the top,
1: the top one for me is definitely fatigue management. So I'm trying to reduce that as best as possible. So every session I go into, I feel as fresh as I possibly am. Mm. Um, And because of my challenge, the lift that I'm trying to, to increase the most I make sure I perform that post rest day Um, so I'm at my freshest the reason being I'm quite comfortable with the endurance side as you said I'm I'm confident that I I will make it through the marathon but the lift um, is going to be a little bit harder and and I guess no Know the level you're at. Like, you have, like, awareness of yourself. Like, look back at what you've done in the past. Actually really be, um, like you say, be critical on yourself and what you've achieved. And then, and see where you, like, I know the snatch is going to be my hardest. The runs are going to be my easiest. See where, where and how much you need of each and not get stuck in more is more. Mm. Or more is better, so I mm. say. So be smart. They you know the typical saying that float, float floats around is train smart, not hard. Mm. That's I think it's vital for what we're doing. The concurrent, you mm. really have to be smart about it, and not not just accumulate load of load of junk volume for thinking that it's going to put you in better a better place when yeah, ultimately. Well, looking back at the the research from the from our first podcast, like at seven, was it seven to eight weeks? Was it mm-hmm. six to seven weeks? Yeah, the, around the seven week period. The concurrent side like dropped because well, I, I'm I'm taking in enough. I'm looking at that and saying it's because of fatigue because they were doing what the endurance and the strength group were doing together, whereas mm. the others were having. A lot lower volume, and and just the accumulation of that, just
0: and at a high intensity.
1: Yeah, just send which,
0: which I think is what is one of the most worrying things when I see, maybe when I see stuff on like Instagram, for example, people see such good results within the first four weeks, maybe even six weeks. It's because it's new, so your yeah. body adapts to it and you get better because the whole program is is new, the area is new to you. But if you want to improve consistently you've got to be more careful with how you program and how you progress, because ultimately you hit that peak, which in that particular study was around six, seven weeks, and then you drop off or you could, you expose yourself to injury. So sometimes when planning for the next week, so I can do this, 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 and it, well, you probably can do it, but is it actually the wisest thing to do? Always think long and, you know, the best athletes are the ones that have improved year on year on year on year. The ones that go out too hot too soon are the ones that don't progress because they push too hard and they get injured and you yeah. can't
1: get better at your sport if you get injured. And I think a good example, although, I, although I've i done it and you've done it, we, is CrossFit. Is that is people start CrossFit and they go for it mm. from the off, don't they? A bit of a this is a bit of a side topic, but like it's just an example of that. Like you see people in CrossFit gyms that have done or been at that, been doing CrossFit for such a long period, but they're just stagnant, like it's either one one level, or they've they've gone because they burnt out.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think I mean that's definitely another podcast. I think yeah discussing CrossFit. Um, but uh, I always think with any profession, right, you see a disparity between those that are very good and there's always quite a few crap people in any profession, whether it be lecturers, coaches, or whatever it might be. <laughs> but in, in CrossFit, I think the gap is really quite big. Like, I'm, I, I can go online, I can see certain crossfit coaches or or companies that represent and train crossfit athletes and some of them is like okay you've actually really thought through every single session how that fits in the whole thing like you can see it and then you see others where it's clearly they've just made up the session okay that'll be 15 wall balls uh 12 toasts of art and then 10 burpees did it 10 times uh for time so got it all out
1: there you go you could open up a crossfit gym mate.
0: yeah done (laughs) done and yeah, it's it's kind of that throw shit at a wall and see what sticks type of program is, is quite dangerous, and sometimes oh, it's extremely. hard to it's hard to see. But and the reason why I wanted to say this is because I've definitely seen there are some great CrossFit coaches out there, oh. but I think the disparity between good and bad is quite large.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, a, yeah, and like it, it may be like. The lack of, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should come onto that another podcast because we could go quite in depth for that. But, yeah. I
0: think yeah. that would be an exciting topic because CrossFit is surely one of the hardest things to program for because there's so many elements to take into consideration. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is, it's really tough. So um, I think another key onto that, the back of that, is patience. Like when you we were saying about the ones that, Rush out four weeks and then, like it, you've got you've got to be patient. Mm. Got a bit and be able to just repeat the simple stuff over and over again. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I know I could lift heavier with what than what I'm doing right now in this training program, but I'm not going to push it there yet because if I peak at five weeks, what's the point of that? Mm. Because come <laughs> come week eleven, I'll be nowhere near where I need to be. So, mm. yeah,
0: slow progression is often the best.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more sustainable. Huh?
0: What am I talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the best. Although
0: slow is consistent. I think so. Nice, mate. Ooh. Mate, wicked programming. It's good to see. The similarities and the differences between our programs, because our challenge is very, very similar, but we're very different athletes. And clearly we are aware of the key things we need to work on. And we have programmed appropriately for that and take into account the whole freshness and fatigue model, the interference effects, rules around concurrent training, rules around endurance and strength training. So that was really good, really informative. I loved it. And hopefully everyone listening in enjoyed it as well please subscribe and uh, spread the word about the progress theory. We really enjoy doing these podcasts um, and want to do many more challenges going forward. So the more challenges we do, the more creative we can be with the programming. We want to try and really give a thorough scientific understanding as to why we're doing what we're doing. So yeah, spread the word, like, and subscribe and we'll see you in the next episode. See ya. See ya.